Amen. Well, I want you to open your Bibles uh, this morning, and as you open your Bibles, I want you to, uh, it's going to be one of those two-finger sermons. I want you to take one finger and put it in Matthew chapter 1, and then I want you to flip over just a little bit and take the other finger, and I want you to stick it there in uh, Luke chapter 3. Amen. So we're going to be uh, kind of switching back, uh, back and forth from Matthew chapter 1 uh, to Luke chapter 3 this morning as we uh, begin to look at the chronological order of the birth narrative within the Word of God. So as we look at the chronological order, you know, you, you'd think, well, maybe we start with the birth of Jesus. Where exactly do we start with that? Well, you have to go back even before that, and you have to look at the family of Jesus, because people don't just uh, appear uh, out of nowhere, amen, contrary to popular belief, the Stark doesn't really deliver the baby, amen, they come from somewhere, they come from a family lineage, they have that family tree, they have that genealogy, and so when we look at the Word of God, something that we discover there is that genealogy, that uh, that family tree is extraordinarily important, is very, very important to uh, the, the uh, Jewish people, and we find in the Old Testament, we find uh, many of those genealogies, and we find in the New Testament, we find two genealogies, and both of those genealogies in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3 are of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I know a lot of us, most of us, when we're reading our Bible, you, you can be honest with me, I do it too sometimes, you know, when we're going, we get to those genealogies, especially in those Old Testament genealogies, and we start uh, reading about this person begot that person, and that person begot that person, and we go on and go on, and you know, you, you can be honest, you just kind of speed read or just totally skip that section uh, entirely, amen? And so, you know, a lot of us do that, but there is some great meat within that that we can look at and we can learn and we can glean from those uh, genealogies, but those genealogies are very important. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Louisiana was getting hit with storm after storm after storm uh, during hurricane season, and we got a little bit of some of those storms. Uh, there was a video that was going around, and in that video that was going around, it was from uh, uh, weathermen from all over the place that were trying to pronounce some of those Louisiana names, amen, and some of them couldn't even pronounce Lake Pontchartrain, and so they were having a hard, hard time pronouncing some of those names, and I wonder if there's a video going around heaven uh, saying, uh, you know, did you see how so-and-so, that pastor, he tried to pronounce your name, you know, <laughs> and it's just kind of uh, wondering if, if, if that's happened. I'm sure it's not. They have a lot more grace uh, than we do down here, but some of those names are very difficult to pronounce, and we look at them, try to do the absolute best that we can. But they are important. Every word that is within the Word of God is there for a reason. Amen. And so as we look at this and we look at the genealogy of Jesus, that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. The first thing that we're reminded of is that everything starts with family. Amen. When we look in the Word of God and we begin, begin to realize that God created everything, that God created everything ex nihilo. In other words, God created everything out of nothing. God spoke it into existence. And as God spoke it into existence, He created all things in six days. And then on the sixth day, He created Adam. He created Adam from the dust of the earth. Then He put Adam to sleep after He said it's not good for a man to be alone. He put Adam to sleep. He took out of His side a rib. As after He took out of His side a rib, He fashioned it into a woman. He then 
sin presented that woman to Adam. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she very literally was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And as we look at that, God then tells them that it is fitting that a man should leave his father's home and that the two should cleave together. In other words, the two shall become one. And so that was the beginning of the family and as God created man the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 it says God created man in his own image in the image of God he created them now that's that's very important for us to realize the repetitiveness there because God is getting across a point of which he also stated in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1 that God created man in his own image in the image of God He created him. Mankind is special. Nothing else. You know, you might love your dog. You might love your cat. You might love your hamster, whatever, or turtle or whatever. You know, you might love them, but only mankind is created in the image and in the likeness of God. That makes us unique. That makes us very special. Then he goes on to say, not only did he create man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female he created him male and female now, that's extremely important that's the design of god amen that is the plan of god god created them male god created them female for anybody to try to deny that and say that's how god intended them to be cre- be created is denying the very plan and the very will of god god created them male and female then he goes on genesis chapter 1 verse 28 the very next verse and we see the very purpose of being a man and being a woman male and female that's created in the image of likeness of God he goes on and says God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply you know what God did right here after he created after he created the heavens and the earth after he created the seas and put all of the fish and all the sea creatures in the seas after he put all of the trees and the plants and all all of the, uh, the, the fruit yielding trees and everything that he put down and he put the birds of the sky and all of the insects, all of the creepy crawly things and he created all of the animals and he created all of these things and after he created Adam and then put Adam to sleep and created Eve, then he told them to be fruitful and multiply. multiply. You know what the very first thing that God did after creation is he then established the family. That was the very first thing that God did. God established the family and the family is extraordinarily important. Why do you think Satan is so actively attacking the family and to to try to destroy the very thing that God established, that God ordained first and foremost is the family. And so as we look at that family unit, it is this very family that God not only brought about every human being upon the earth, but it is also this very family of which God brought about his own son that would eventually become flesh. You know, scientists are real intelligent. You know, they're, they're super smart. They spend millions and billions of dollars on all of these research projects. And they spent billions and billions of dollars on this thing they called the Geno Project. And you know what they discovered? They discovered something phenomenal that nobody had ever thought about before, that we all descend from one couple. 
Well, guess what? They could have saved billions of dollars if they'd have just opened up their Bibles to Genesis and looked at the Word of God, and get, that's exactly what God tells us. Amen? So no surprise there as we look there within the Word of God. So family is extraordinarily important. You didn't just pop up out of nowhere. You might be adopted. You may have no, never known your biological parents, but you still have a family tree there. You may not know who they are. You might not be familiar with them. A lot of people don't know their family, don't know their extended family, but you still have a family. You still have that family tree. I know years ago, Randolph Dillard, y'all know that my mom was Dillard, and so uh, Randolph Dillard came up to me one day and gave me a, a Dillard family book. Y'all have one of those? I need to, need to get y'all a copy of that. But he gave me a Dillard family tree, and so as he gave me this, this is his exact words. He said, here, I just want to prove to you that all the Dillards are can whether they claim it or not amen <laughs> so I, I haven't looked all the way th looked through my immediate family tree but other than that uh, as far as i know there's not one on my dad's side of the family i have a cousin that's been talking about for years doing one but he hasn't yet done it dale's mom spent years she spent a long time probably at least 10 years making a family tree she was a neely that is her maiden name and so she she spent uh, at least 10 years going and searching out out courtrooms and this was long before ancestry.com amen or, or even the internet so as we look at all of those things and she she searched all of that out went looking at cemeteries and went driving everywhere all over the place trying to search out her family tree and she even found a coon in her family tree but praise the lord it was from like 150 years ago so we're real real distant kin amen so as we look at that we realize that we do have an ancestry we do have a family tree and that is extraordinarily important and so as the Jews looked at their family heritage it was very important to them it was something that we find recorded within the word of God and there's four main reasons of why the Jews they they held to their family heritage they held to those genealogies and we find those genealogies within the word of God well first of all the land that was given to them was given to them by God amen God told Joshua, he said in Joshua chapter 1, you're about to go into that land and every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give it to you. Everything that I have promised to your forefathers, I'm going to give it to you. He laid out the boundaries of it. He said, this is your land. All you've got to do is go in there and get it. Now, they could have gotten it 40 years earlier, but they didn't have enough faith to go in. So 40 years late, they're going in and they're laying hold of the very land that God himself had given to them and so they when they did go in they drove out the inhabitants of the land or most of them anyway and they ended up establishing the land they ended up settling the land then they divided up the land by tribe and each tribe was getting a, get uh, given a lot and land was family land and it was extraordinarily important it wasn't just a piece of dirt it wasn't just a piece of property it was their family heritage that went all the way back to God giving to them this land. It was extraordinarily important. Also their inheritance. If there was going to be any inheritance that came down from the family line, uh, it was important that they had that. As well we see in taxation, right? In taxation when uh, Joseph and Mary were taxed and, 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 and uh, uh, they, they were called to go and uh, do a census. What was the purpose of that census? The purpose of that census was for 
taxation. And so when Mary was expecting Jesus, what did they do? They went to the city of Bethlehem. Why did they go to the city of Bethlehem? Because that was the city of David. That was the city of their ancestry. And so that's where they went back to, to have the census for the purpose of taxation. But one of the most important reasons as we look at this morning, we see first of all that there is a royal line, that royal line that comes down through the ancestry of David, of King David, because the promise was given that through David there was going to be one that was going to sit up on the throne and he was going to establish that throne forever and ever and ever. In fact, we find in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12 that the Word of God says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, this is Samuel prophesying to King David, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up for your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It's not just going to be a temporary kingdom. In fact, Solomon became the king after David became the king, and Solomon through his kingship it ended up becoming a divided kingdom but here it is that God is speaking to David and says there's going to be one that's going to sit upon the throne of David and he's going to be there forever it's going to be an everlasting kingdom and that is the Messiah himself and so when we look at that not only is it through the royal family heritage but also that was through the priestly family heritage and so we see through the tribe of Levi. It was the Levites that then became uh, the priests of the Levitical priesthoods that were uh, direct descendants of Aaron and they and it just continued to flow on down through that and they were the priests that were there and so if they're going to be a priest the only way you're going to be a priest is if you were a direct descendant of Aaron. And so when we look here in the Word of God, we see that Levitical priesthood and we see that uh, Davidic royal uh, uh, lineage that's there. That is very important. And if they were going to be the Messiah, it was absolutely necessary, 100% necessary, that he would be of David's ancestral reign. And so when we look in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, we find here the very first verse in the New Testament. He doesn't cut any corners. He gets straight to the point. He said, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah... He's not even alluding or beating around the bush that Jesus is the Messiah. He just flat out says, the Messiah... I don't care what you say, I don't care what you think. He is the Messiah, and guess what? He is the son of David and the son of Abraham. So he is the son of David, and he is the son of Abraham. And so when we look at it, he was, he was the son of David, so he has that royal uh, lineage within him, and he is the son of Abraham. Uh, Abraham. He is uh, has that Hebrew lineage within him. And so when we look at the importance of that, you could not be the Messiah unless you were a direct descendant of David. And so here it is that we find within the genealogy 
genealogy of Jesus Christ within the book of Matthew, we find that absolutely Jesus was a direct descendant of David. And so when we look at that, we also find him saying of Abraham as well. And when you look in Luke, when you look in the book of Luke in chapter 3, you find something interesting there. What we find right here in the book of Luke, you find the genealogy of Jesus, that Jesus Jesus was a Hebrew. He was, a, as Paul called himself, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Jesus was a Hebrew of Hebrews. We find right there in Luke chapter 3 and verse 33, or 32 and 33, it says, The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Solomon, the son of Nashon, verse 33, the son of Amminadad, uh, uh, the son of uh, Admin, the son of Ram, the son of uh, Hezron, the son of per, uh, Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor. And so as we look at that, that is very important. That is extraordinarily important. And why is that important? It's important because God had a plan. God had a plan even before the foundations of the earth, but he told the world long ago exactly what family his son the messiah the christ the very son of god was going to come through in fact we find in genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 when god called abram and sarai out of ur and he told them to go to this land that he was going to give them to possess they never did possess it but they were going into the land by in faith of god and this is what god says to them in in genesis 12 3 he says i will bless those who bless Bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all of the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So the question is, how's all of the people of the earth going to be blessed through Abraham? God called Abraham to be the father of many nations. One of those nations was the Jewish nation, and out of that Jewish nation, that Hebrew nation is the very nation that God chose to bring about the Messiah, the Christ, the Redeemer. We also see that God also made an everlasting covenant with Isaac, uh, with, with Isaac. And so as God made this everlasting covenant with Isaac in Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, he says, Then God said, But your wife Sarah will bear, you a, 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 will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. No, it's not going to be through Ishmael. It is going to be through Isaac. It is going to be through Isaac and through Sarah. By the way, even though, yep, she's way up there in age and y'all can laugh about it all you want to, but guess what? It's going to be her. Amen? It's going to be her. She will be the mother. You will be the father. Not only that, we see that the nations will be blessed also through Jacob's offspring. Something that's interesting here is that the path is getting narrower and narrower and narrower. Amen? To where it's coming to a point that it's beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is the direction that God is leading and it cannot be anyone else. And so we find in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 14, it says, Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. 
and all of the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Who is that offspring? That offspring is Jesus Christ. Now remember Jacob. Jacob is the very one who wrestled with God. After Jacob wrestled with God all night long, then God blessed him, right? The angel of the Lord blessed him, and he says, your name is no longer going to be Jacob, but your name is going to be Israel. So it is through Israel that the offspring is going to come that's going to be a blessing to all of the world. Well, it gets narrowed down even more than that. Genesis 49 and verse 19, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until until he to whom it belonged shall come and the obedience of the nation nations plural shall be his who is that that is the king of kings and that is the lord of lords and so there the scepter is not going to depart from judah the the kingship is always going to be there the rule is always going to be there with judah and so we see very clearly that it is through abraham through isaac through jacob through judah that the messiah is going to come through and what do we find right here in these genealogies we find that very truth amen we find the fact that jesus is the uh, direct descendant of Abraham, we see that Jesus is a direct descendant of David. We see that Jesus meets every bit of the genealogical uh, 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 requirements that are met for being the Messiah. Not only that, but he fulfilled every single one of the prophecies that God made long ago, that this is who the Messiah was going to be. And that is why Matthew could say with such boldness, with such confidence, that the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, not just a descendant of David, but the son of of David. That is messianic language right there. He is the son of David, and he's not just a descendant of Abraham. He is the son of Abraham. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. God's word came to absolute fulfillment through the coming of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this, it's interesting that you find in Matthew a genealogy uh, genealogy of Jesus. You find in Luke a genealogy of Jesus. Now, the skeptic will say, well, they're different. Matter of fact, we read through Luke's genealogy, the great majority of those are like, who are these people? We've never heard of these people, right? And and so when we we begin to understand the differences here is that when we look at Matthew, Matthew is here, he is talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is the king. He is focused solely upon the truth that Jesus Christ is the descendant of David. And so when when you look at Luke, Luke is the historian, right? He is given this historical record. Of course, all of this is directly given to us by God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So every word that we find in here was not through them, but divinely directed by the hand of God and given to us. But what does Matthew give to us? Matthew gives to us the genealogical record of Joseph. Though Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus, 
which Luke makes very clear, as we'll see here in just a minute. Though Jesus is not the biological, Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus, he assumed the position and he raised him as his very own son. Therefore, as Matthew is looking at this, he is looking at it through the genealogical record of uh, uh, Joseph. Now, when Luke examines this, we look in the book of Luke and we see in Luke chapter 3, we see in Luke chapter 3 beginning in verse 23, it says this, Luke chapter 3 verse 23, when he, Jesus, began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. In other words, he wasn't actually the son of Joseph. Who's he? He's the son of God. Amen? The son of God. Being as was supposed. Now, what's interesting in here, Matthew actually had some names of some women in his genealogy, but it was very uncommon to include the names of women in uh, genealogical records then. But here as we look at Luke, Luke does does strictly in the form in which it was intended to be in that day and only there mentions the men and it being as supposed the son of Joseph, but whose genealogical record did he use? He used Mary's. We all have two different genealogies right we have one from our father which Matthew gave through Joseph then we have one through our mother as Luke the historian giving the historical record of Jesus the man Jesus he then gives us that historical record of being as supposed but everybody really knows he wasn't the son of Joseph then he gives to us that genealogical record of Mary. So of course they're going to be different, right? Your dad's record is different from your mom's record. My dad was a coon, right? My mom was a dillard. Every one of us have those different genealogical records, one from our mother, one from our father. Naturally, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out that they're going to be a little bit different. Now, through Matthew, Matthew was showing us the fact that Jesus was the king, the theologian there. And Matthew, he was showing us that Jesus was the king. And so what was Luke's purpose as the historian? The historian was showing us that Jesus was a historical figure, that Jesus was a real person from a real family that existed in the reality of history. You cannot deny the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? He had a family record there, and that is what uh, Luke is there pointing out. Matthew starts, it's interesting that Matthew starts in the past and he moves forward. He starts with Abraham, and then he works his way up to to, uh, Jesus. And then Luke starts in present day, and he works his way backwards. Now, Luke begins, or Matthew begins with Abraham and goes all the way to Jesus' day. Luke goes all the way to Adam. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he goes all the way back to Adam. 
People say, you can't determine how old the earth really is. Well, yeah, you can. If you have enough time on your hands, and people's done it, a lot of people's done it, you could look at those Old Testament genealogies, and you could look in those Old Testament genealogies that doesn't just tell you this person begot that person and that person begot that person, but this is how old they were, right? And so you could add all of that up, and you can determine the age of the earth, and which is very interesting. God gave us these things for a reason. God gave us these things to a reason to understand that Jesus truly did exist. Jesus was real. He existed. He lived. He walked through the streets of Jerusalem. He walked along the shores of Galilee. He really was there, and no one can deny it. Anybody that tries to deny the actual existence of Jesus Christ the man is either completely ignorant of history or is lying about it. (laughs) Amen? You cannot deny His existence. And so when we look at this, we begin to glean some very interesting things. What's the purpose of these genealogies? There's many purposes to it. Oh, you can see the grace of God in there. We had a lot more time. I'd go through you and show you. You know, you say, well, I've, I've got some knuckleheads in my family. Well, guess what? Jesus had some knuckleheads in his family. Amen? On my dad's side of the family, some of the cousins were planning on doing a, uh, doing a, a, a family reunion, and some of them uh, was trying to come up with a T-shirt, and as they was coming up with this T-shirt, uh, uh, one of the T-shirts said, um, I shook my family tree and a bunch of nuts came out. Amen? And so I was thinking, that's about right. <laughs> Begin to look at that. But when we think about that, you can see the grace of God in there. See the mercy of God in there. See that everybody in Jesus' genealogy, what's interesting, not everybody in geneal- uh, Jesus' genealogy was actually a Jew. But they converted to Judaism because of their faith in God. So it wasn't about biology, it was about faith. Amen? Faith in the work and the will of God. But as we look at this this morning and we think of it in regards to Christmas, because after all, guess what? All that other stuff has absolutely Absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. Christmas is all about and only about the Christ. After all, what's the name of it? Christ Mass. That's what it is. Christ Mass. We just call it Christmas today. Amen? 100% about the Christ. 100% about His birth. All about Jesus. So what can we glean from this genealogy? The fact that God made a promise. All the way back even before the foundations of the earth, God made a promise. And God kept His promise to the absolute God fulfilled His promise exactly the way that He said that it was going to be fulfilled. 
There's not a single one of us here today that can make a promise about tomorrow and guarantee that that promise about tomorrow or even the next five minutes is going to be fulfilled. Because we can't even promise whether or not the next five minutes is going to be here. Amen? But God can. And He fulfilled it to the T. Exactly to the letter. Do you know what I see right here? God had a gift that He was planning on giving. Amen? It wasn't like we do sometimes, you know, oh, I've got to give somebody a gift. You run in the store, you grab the very first thing on the shelf, that looks good, I'll just throw it in the bag and I'll give it to them. A lot of times, maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but a lot of times folks say, well, uh, you know, it's mostly family members. I say, well, uh, Rusty, we appreciate that gift that you gave us. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. Just don't ask me what it was because Dale bought it, Dale wrapped it, and Dale's the one who put my name on it. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't even know what it is. But God didn't do that, did he? God took his time. He planned out everything perfect. You know what the greatest gifts are when somebody does something with their hands? When they put their full thought into it, when they put their full effort into it. It's not just something that they click a button on the internet. Not, not that those gifts can't be special too, because they can. When there's thought and there's time and there's a plan and a purpose behind it. Amen? God just didn't rush into it. He took his time. And the Bible says when the fullness of time came, he gave us his son. When that fullness of time was ready, he was ready. Jesus was ready. The gift was ready. The fullness of time came. Jesus is a gift. And he's not just a gift, he's the greatest of gifts. When it comes time for Christmas, friends, don't worry about what's under that tree. Let's focus about the one who hung up on the tree. He did it for you, and he did it for me, and he did it for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. So that they shall be filled. Listen, there's a whole lot more prophecies that need to be filled. And some folks are scared to death over it. But listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have a reason in the world to be scared. God has not destined his children for wrath. Period. End of subject. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, some folks say, well, I don't have that heaven's gates and hell's flames. It just scares people. Well, if they're not saved, they need to be scared. Amen? If they're saved, they doesn't be scared of. There's only one way to be saved. Only one. Not many paths, one path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that one way is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I ask you, Praise team could come on up here. Everybody stand.
Those who's going to be baptized this morning, y'all can go ahead and go to the back and start getting ready. Do you know today Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever received the greatest gift there is to receive? And again, the only way you're going to receive him is through faith. Amen? Have you done that this morning? Have you put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ? If not, would you do that? Would you do that this morning? Trust in him. Believe on him. Call upon him. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Save me from those sins. If you do that, come walk down this aisle. Let us know. That part won't save you. It's only putting your faith and trust in Jesus that will save you. And we want to know. Amen. In fact, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that we need to make that public. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe you're already saved, but you haven't been baptized yet. We're fixing to have a baptism here in just a little bit. We won't necessarily baptize you this morning, but we could set up that baptism and baptize you even next Sunday. We're going to be baptizing more next Sunday. Amen? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had to put some chlorine tablets in that baptistry and just baptize folks every Sunday? Amen? That'd be an awesome thing to be able to do that. You come. Any decisions on your heart that you need to make known, you come. I'm going to ask Brother Kevin to come up here and stand in my place as God stirs in your heart. You're not a member of the